Folks, folks, <laughs> there's another thing we want you to learn on this podcast as we talk about like your legal rights and whatever. You have mm-hmm. the legal right not to worship a politician, and you should <laughs> and, and you should take you should take advantage of it. Welcome to Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, the show about the law in real life. I'm Laura Temi, and I'm joined by Joe Fawbush. Hey, everybody. And Andy Leonetti. Hey. Uh, so I've got a question for you guys. Do you remember when people thought that social media was going to like bring everybody together into a big, happy, global community family? I do. Yeah. How'd that go for us? It was a long time ago, I think. <laughs> Laura, I remember when Facebook first came out and took over MySpace. Mm -hmm. And yes, we all thought it was the most wonderful thing ever, and it was really cool, and Mm -hmm. it's been downhill since then. Because it was literally just a way for college students to share information about their lives and comment on each other's Facebook walls. That's it. Yeah, it's a pretty big understatement to say that not the case anymore. Yeah, um. I, I guess I have a question then. <laughs> you go ahead. If you remember, if we're remembering, do you remember when you first started hating social media? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it's been a while for me. Yeah, I think it's probably been at least five years for me. For me, it was when, yeah, I lived abroad because people were saying, you know, we want to see pictures, we want to see pictures, and so then you start chasing that sweet, sweet dopamine. Oh, yeah. Chasing those likes. And you post something that then people don't like, that you don't get likes on, and you're Uh like, why? Why? Like, (laughs) I can't help that you guys are all just jealous that I'm living my best life in France. And, And it didn't take long after that. Well, social media platforms have certainly been making headlines lately, and mostly for negative reasons, um, between... Misinformation about elections circulating Facebook, the deplatforming of white supremacists and other hate groups, and takedown notices based on content. Uh, a lot of people lately have been talking about censorship on social media. And we've talked about social media a bit on the show before, way, way back at the beginning of season one. But I just, I've seen so many people. It's way different now, yeah. Yes. And I've seen so many people online lately screaming usually in all caps. What about the First Amendment? So I convinced these guys to let me talk about it. So we're heading back to <laughs> rudimentary law school yes. today. Is that what we're, we're heading back to? Was it 1L that you guys call that? Yep. Yep. To start things off, it's important to note who the First Amendment applies to. So for the lawyers out there, this is a jump back to con law. Feel free to sleep through it now, just like you did then. <laughs> Ooh, should I do it like a sleep story? i'm gonna try it okay this is a good opportunity for me to practice my npr voice okay welcome to fine laws don't judge me sleep stories today we're talking about the first amendment the first amendment protects the free exercise of religion freedom of the press freedom of assembly and freedom of speech from interference by the government the operative word being congress shall make no law So when we start talking about censorship, deplatforming, and other social media issues, it's important to remember that private companies like Facebook and Twitter are not subject to the same rules as the government. 
Bottom line, if you violate the terms of service, they can kick you off. Period. Done. You, you, End of episode. You, lo- you <laughs> lost your NPR voice there pretty quickly. <laughs> I just, that was as long as I could do it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I... Yeah, I just want to add, <laughs> folks. <laughs> folks! It is... Your First Amendment rights don't matter. <laughs> it is the opposite of Orwellian for a private company to tell the most powerful person in the world that he cannot do whatever he wants on their platform. It yes. is the opposite of mm-hmm. Orwellian. Thank you. So there, there's my... Uh, my con law review for everyone. Um, but something I do want to talk about that I find interesting anyway is where it, just to look at what the First Amendment protects and what social media, what social media platforms censor. Again, the First Amendment protects basically all speech by private citizens with a couple exceptions for obscenity and speech that incites violence. So that includes hate speech and misinformation. In fact, some anti-bullying laws have even been struck down for violating the First Amendment. These laws run into First Amendment issues, often because the statutes criminalize speech in ways that are unconstitutionally broad or vague. For example, I really am just doing a, like, con law lecture at you guys today. I hope you don't mind. (laughs) No, it's great. Um, So, for example... The North Carolina Supreme Court invalidated the state's cyberbullying law in 2016 uh, in a case called State versus Bishop. Um, the case involved a high school student who posted negative comments on a sexually explicit photo of one of his classmates. The law prohibited using a computer to, quote, post or encourage others to post on the Internet private, personal or sexual information pertaining to minors with the intent to intimidate or torment a minor. So by the time this got to the state Supreme Court, they noted that the legislature had failed to define intimidate or torment and that the law did not require the subject to actually suffer an injury. So they declared it overly broad. On the other hand, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, all of these platforms have policies for harassment, misinformation, obscenity, hate speech, and they vary widely in how they address it. So one thing I wanted to do was compare Facebook's misinformation policy with YouTube's. Can we go back to that case for a second? Because I'm uh-huh. a little confused. So yeah. So this involved uh, two high school students, mm-hmm. and um, there was already a picture up that one of the students had it, put up, and then another yeah. student commented on it. So from what I understand, someone had gotten a hold of a screenshot of a picture that one student sent to some, he sent, sent this picture to the wrong person, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then another classmate screenshotted it, put it on Facebook, and then someone else was commenting on it. And that was the person who ended up being, I guess, punished under this cyberbullying law. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it was, it's a, it, it is an interesting case and it's a very like complicated um, set of circumstances. So let's compare Facebook's misinformation policy with YouTube's. So on Facebook, and this is, I was surprised that this was all it said, but it just says, Facebook's policy is not to remove false news, but to instead attempt to reduce its visibility. So that's fun in a whole lot of different ways. (laughs) Way to go, guys. Way to go. (laughs) Um, But then YouTube, on the other hand, is 
very, very specific. And this wasn't their whole thing, but it was something that I found interesting. It says, we will remove content denying that well-documented violent events like the Holocaust or the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary took place. So I found that interesting that they, yeah, not only do they kind of draw a line in the sand, but it's a very, very specific one. Yeah, it was also hilarious that for like the first decade of YouTube, every, no matter what video I was watching, like one of the next recommended videos was always some film about how 9-11 is a hoax. Oh, absolutely. There are so many. And there, I mean, even despite <laughs> this policy, there are so many conspiracy theory videos on YouTube. It's very easy to fall into that hole. Um, but something that I find interesting in this whole thing is that YouTube's policy in particular is a content-based restriction, which is something that the government cannot do. But again, since YouTube is a private company, they can do that. They just feel all powerful. They are not actually. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, given given the influence that these platforms have, whether they should be able to engage in censorship is a whole nother issue. Yeah, I think that bleeds more into antitrust issues. Basically, how, mu how much internet traffic. Yeah. You know, YouTube and Facebook and Amazon and whoever else account for. One thing that I find interesting is how easy it was for these platforms to begin more uh, stringent regulations and content restrictions when they decided to do it. Mm -hmm. I feel like an argument back in the day when those 9-11 videos were, were out there was that, oh, we can't possibly regulate all of these videos. There's no right. way. And, yeah. you know, it seems like with what's happened to Parler and... and some of the other things they've had the power to do this for. A while. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, the algorithms can find it. It's <laughs> well, at a more basic level, even Hollywood created the motion picture association of America and they instituted a rating system on their own. They mm -hmm. self-regulated video, yeah. video mm -hmm. games do that. Now TV does it. It's not by government mandate. Yeah. That's a really good point. I guess I do have a question. What's up? That I'll go ahead and ask. So say someone was, you know, forget about this whole self-regulation thing. Say someone was using Facebook or Twitter or Parler to actually incite violence. Mm -hmm. I want you, my followers, to do blank mm -hmm. violent activity in real life. I want you yeah. to go do it. <laughs> could the, then could the government would the government have recourse to do something and maybe not again maybe this gets into a whole section 230 thing and that's for another episode but can they instruct facebook to say like silence joe fabush's account for <laughs> inciting violence <laughs> <laughs> hey now <laughs> this is a hypothetical <laughs> this, is, this is very hypothetical the, the least likely among us to try to incite violence <laughs> what uh what you're describing andy is a crime uh mm -hmm. it is the first amendment has never protected so there's already okay right so um so yes the government can instruct um the social media to take it down um 
But in any case, the government could come and arrest the person and arrest who did that. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know, and and you say like, well, could they kick him off the platform? I, you know, the government probably couldn't. But again, you'll be in jail. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> and you've probably violated the terms of service. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get. Yeah, that's that. You are typically violating the terms of service in mm-hmm. that case. Okay. As far as uh, whether the government can go to Facebook or YouTube with a crackdown on inciting violent speech. That is a section 230 question that right. mm-hmm. we can get into later. Yeah. Yeah. That's for our next episode. Yeah. That's yeah. An, another great topic that everyone on the internet is now an expert on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have noticed that too. <laughs> I am a section 230 expert. I am a voter fraud expert. I am a vaccine distribution Expert, yeah. <laughs> I am an epidemiologist, I <laughs> and a brand consultant. <laughs> mm-hmm. And a brand consultant. Are you an influencer as well? Yes, and an influencer. Of course. <laughs> um, so actually, speaking of, I guess, kind of mixing, you know, the policies of a private social media platform with government officials one thing i wanted to bring up was um a case that happened fairly recently i mean we're all pretty familiar with president trump using his own personal twitter account fill me in <laughs> yeah so, no i i haven't you, you, oh, you, yeah. you didn't catch this no so <laughs> um i mean he was he, on yeah, he was on twitter oh yes very much so. oh i bet that was I wild i bet that was yeah. wild i wish i, I had known even. i would have followed yeah, something kind of interesting that that happened is that because he was using, well, first of all, he never used the, as far as I know, he never used the official like POTUS Twitter account that I think transfers, you know, between administrations. Mm-hmm. He used his personal account the entire time he was in office. So then, well, that's what, the only one he could remember the password for. <laughs> well Probably. actually i i don't know if that's true because i think after his personal one got kicked off i think he tried to use the potus one once. did he yeah okay the white house would post uh yeah statements and when he made those weird uh when he had to make those weird hostage videos after mm-hmm. the after the capitol riot yeah um they, those were posted on the on the White House on the official okay, like so POTUS or using or White House account. Twitter account. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, uh, so what happened was that while he was posting things on his his personal Twitter account while being in office, of course, you know it's the internet, so people are are openly criticizing him on this platform, <laughs> as people <laughs> are want to do on the internet. You know? That is just so rude. I know. How dare anybody? <laughs> and so, you know, yeah, what what becomes really interesting about this is he wanted to block these people. What is this, Great Britain? No. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, yeah, what, what is interesting about it is that, you know, any of us, a private citizen, we can block people who annoy us on Twitter. But what um, what the Second Circuit decided was that he had turned his Twitter account into a public forum by posting... By basically posting official proclamations about his policies on this account. And they said, therefore, you can't block people from it because they are entitled to this information. And so 
Yeah, they they said that blocking people would be an unconstitutional viewpoint discrimination under the First Amendment, which I just yeah, it's such a weird yeah entwining of all this stuff, <laughs> and it is going to be before the Supreme Court. This the um, the Justice Department under Trump petitioned the Supreme Court to look at this, and I believe it was distributed for conference in January of this year. Um, so. It'll be interesting to see what kind of decision comes out, but yeah. Sorry, sorry, buddy. You gotta, you gotta let Weed Guy four twenty <laughs> make make fun of you for accidentally right. typing Cope Fefe. Yep, there, exactly. On, on Twitter. <laughs> yep. <laughs> First of all, people know what that means, Andy. Um, <laughs> yeah, we just spent a whole episode talking about marijuana. <laughs> um, yeah, but actually, isn't I don't think it's it's just uh, Trump who's had that happen to him, right? I think mm-hmm. I think um, other government officials have had that same issue where they try. Yeah. To... Yeah. Would it apply to say any random senator or member of Congress? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. She's very active on social media as far as talking about policy. So yeah, I would think that it would be the same for her. Mm-hmm. You know, you know who is really annoying on social media, though. Oh God! The the people, the people who have like set up a whole personal brand around being a like reply guy. What? So in Trump's case, there were these brothers, these twin brothers, the Krasenstein brothers. Okay. And they were, you know, liberals, mm-hmm. and they were always. I don't know how they did it. If there's some program you can set up to like automatically reply or something, but they basically got, I'm using air quotes here, famous, um, <laughs> by always replying to Trump's tweets with like some version of this guy's a duty head. <laughs> and, <laughs> and their replies to Trump would get thousands and thousands of likes and retweets. Yeah. And, and like, and then there was this other guy, Jeff, uh, Jeff Tiedrich was always a reply guy for Trump too. Mm-hmm. And I liked to imagine him being actually very sad when Twitter, oh. when Twitter kicked Trump off because then he <laughs> yeah. couldn't, because then he couldn't reply. I just mean, yeah, being, there goes a few, at least a few people's hobbies. Using, right? using like, oh, President Trump is at it again. <laughs> I forgot about the whole Trump thing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> don't be a reply guy to a politician on social media please it's, yeah i i have stayed off twitter for the most part for a lot of reasons the one so like official social media account i've been really enjoying is there's uh there's an instagram for president biden's dogs and it is brilliant <laughs> like i don't know whose job it is to post on this instagram account but it's so much fun Dad, I hope they're getting paid with campaign dollars and not taxpayer dollars. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I but I, know. but I fear I'm wrong. <laughs> it's like, it's just so, oh, it's so fun. I've been really enjoying it. Maybe someone should become a reply guy to that account. <laughs> oh, don't be mean to dogs. That's just not cool. Be mean to people all you want. Dogs don't deserve it. Well, you could, you could be a reply and say, you know, who's a, who's a good boy. Just every time. Yeah, just every time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Pete Buttigieg has like a Twitter army. Really? Oh yeah, they're See, I, yeah. They, I, they, like, like I said, they are frightening. Like yeah, folks, folks, 
there's another thing <laughs> we want you to learn on this podcast as we talk about like your legal rights and whatever. You have mm-hmm. the legal right not to worship a politician, and you should <laughs> and, and you should take you should take advantage of it. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, so obviously, there's a lot that goes into regulating or not regulating social media companies. We're going to keep talking about this we in uh, future episodes, so stay tuned for that. We'll be covering Section 230 and some other antitrust issues with internet companies. And, yeah, so yeah, check the, back in for those. Yeah, the First Amendment stuff is pretty cut and dry, as yeah. our listeners have just heard. But right. the real... <laughs> The other stuff, the other stuff gets uh gets pretty murky, so mm-hmm. that'll be nice and convoluted. Exactly. <laughs> to to be clear, the First Amendment is not cut and dry, but uh, <laughs> it's, the, its applicability to a private company is cut and dry. Well, is cut and dry. Yes, that's the yeah. part that's cut. And, it's it's clear that uh, Facebook is not um, the government. And your yes. ability to not tell yet, anyway. a politician on social media to go pound sand is cut and dry. Absolutely. (laughs) And that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Find Laws, Don't Judge Me. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Check the show notes for related content. And if you'd like to contact us, send us an email at findlawpodcasts at thompsonreuters.com. And episode over.